So welcome to the Don't Get Lippy podcast. Um, I am Jen, I am the host. Um, So the idea behind these interviews is to give you an insight to um, men and women who have and what they're doing. So we will talk to people who are successful um, in career, in sport, in fundraising, um, and I really hope you enjoy. Well. Okay, so you are with Jen from Don't Get Lippy, and I am just about to chat to Nathan, who is the founder of Freestyle for Smile. Nathan, thank you for agreeing to chat with me. You're welcome. Okay, so the idea behind the chat is just to see kind of where you're at in life, chat about your cleft, and obviously we're kind of in the same situation, having born, being born with that condition, um, and to just see how life is going for you, all right? Yep, let's do it. Okay, Nathan, tell me how old you are. I am 22 years old. Okay, and what type of cleft were you born with? I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Okay, um, what's your family set up? Um, very close family. Um, I have two older brothers, mm-hmm. uh, one 27 and one 29. So, um, I guess... I was one that got picked on uh, by my brothers, unfortunately. <laughs> but they love me, really. Um, yeah, so my mum was the one that kind of came to all the surgeries. And then my dad's kind of watched in the background as I decided to put myself through a ton of surgery, yeah. Okay, so mum, dad and two older brothers. Um, yep. Just out of interest, do you know if your mum and dad found out about your diagnosis before you were born? Yeah, so... Um, my mum and dad actually only found out I had um, a bilateral cleft lip and palate when, I, uh, when she gave birth to me. Right, um, okay. Before that time, uh, my mum com- well, and dad were completely unaware right, of okay. the cleft lip scenario. Okay. Um, so I was a pretty big shock to the family. Yeah, okay. And uh, neither of your brothers had any sort of issues or kind of conditions that they were born with that they might have kind of um, raised any issues? So obviously a cleft lip is, you know, it's like a midline defect. Um, and I've had no, that we know from like as far back as we can see, there's no evidence of midline defects in my family. Right, okay. Um, I, I bucked the trend a bit there. And um, <laughs> I started a new thing going. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, so how would you say that your family set up was either positive or negative or kind of, affected you as you were growing up uh i'd say my family like demographic was probably the biggest positive yeah. in how i felt with my cleft experience mm-hmm. um i didn't really i always kept my sort of circle of friends pretty small because i relied on my family mm-hmm. uh, which i'm very lucky to have such a close family yeah. um so obviously every time i had surgery I was well aware that my mum would always be there when I woke up. Um, and obviously with each surgery brought its own, I guess, journey of negatives, if that's the word, in the fact that I know I, you had to learn how to talk again if I had palate surgery. And I've sat down on the table many a time practicing the alphabet, learning to uh, speak again from surgery that I didn't really anticipate having to do. Or Yes, yeah, so they, they, they pretty much... Well, my rock, uh, which although sounds a cliche, is very true. 
Yeah, absolutely. How did your um, family, like, was your cleft talked about? Was it acknowledged or was it kind of like, actually, that's just Nathan and we just crack on? Um, I think, so, when I was born, my brothers were still quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they obviously weren't really aware of what was wrong with me. They just knew I looked different to them. Yeah. Um, and my middle brother turned around to my mum as I think he was like six, five or six years old and was like, I'm not talking to him until he gets his face fixed. No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a pleasantly brotherly comment. Um, I know. I know. I'm, I'm to say that. I mean, I think my cleft meant I was probably treated different to my brothers. Um, okay. I could see it did happen in my family how maybe that might cause a bit of jealousy with brothers or sisters, but yeah. I was given a lot more attention by my mum and dad in, yeah. in a sense of like, well, they cared about obviously both my brothers, but I was a lot more delicate baby because I was also, yeah. I was also born premature and okay. I was quite ill. So they had to, I was treated, I wrapped up in cotton wool basically. Um, but I think my whole life, it being quite naive to treat me like a normal person to some extent because the things I go through and the things that cleft people go through aren't really that normal. So um, I think parents have to understand that when a child is born a cleft that it is a, it's a journey. It's not like a one surgery thing. Like we are very complicated people and have to be careful in that manner yeah and would you say that um not only is it physical but there's obviously a mental element as well that kind of emotional and it's all kind of intertwined or do you think that you just it's just been the physical and then you've just got on with things um i say to be honest with me most of it was mental um i think being born to cleft um, i've met enough people but we're pretty stubborn people so (laughs) yeah yeah see i guess you are um the physical side of things, like going through surgery. Um, I mean, as a kid, I kind of suffered, but I, I kind of ran away from them a little bit until now where I just kind of have them like they're going out of fashion. Um, <laughs> the mental side of things was always my biggest challenge. Um, to go through like the best part of, well, over 30 operations, like without taking a bit of a beating mentally would, well that wouldn't be normal um so i think for me it took a long time especially like quite recently to like even like looking in a mirror and then look at photos like two years ago and be like this is just a completely different person i'm looking at but then at the same time in my head i can still visualize that person as a kid and the things i've been through Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of i guess uh, a feeling like reminiscing to some extent and how I can look back on all those journeys and like smile at them but at the same time they do leave their mark and I don't think that mark ever leaves. Absolutely. I think, I think um, there is times where you kind of sit there and I mean I can be sitting there and have like a panic attack around me because all of a sudden my past catches up with me I'm like oh I've been through this this and this and I'm like damn like yeah. what because what? Um, I think Personally, I kind of have an operation, brush it off, next one, have another operation, brush it off, and never really take it on board until a lot later. Um, 
Maybe that's because I'm a guy, who knows? Maybe, maybe, but it's interesting <laughs> to see your, um, your, your take on it. And obviously yeah. you've already mentioned that you've had, is it 30 or 30 plus surgeries? I, I, so my surgery tomorrow um, yeah. will, be my, will be my 35th wow. operation. Okay, so obviously the, the kind of standard from what I know and what I've had is the three. So lip and hard palate repair, soft palate repair and then bone graft. Um, and I haven't had any kind of reconstructive or cos cosmetic surgery. So has all of your surgery been uh, medical or has there been sort of cosmetic as well? Um, so because of the severity of my bilateral cleft palate, Mm -hmm. um it it meant that a lot a lot of the surgeries had to be like done like three or four times right okay now, like that those start like starting three and up is like 12 okay. um and then like grommets as well so mm -hmm. I, um, my hearing was extremely bad um as a kid i actually had like very severe uh like infections in my ears like bleeding from my ears and stuff oh wow okay um, like really bad baby um which led me to having like grommets a lot um okay. i had like six sets of grommets wow. um okay. my, my body just didn't like them and just i remember having one set and like literally next week they came out um wow. i think okay. yeah, people, i think i think that that does vary individual to individual because i've heard mm. people that say like they work really well and still have them just didn't work well for me and i took the route of getting hearing aids right, so okay. i when i was in school because i just couldn't hear absolutely anything I wore hearing aids in both ears, mm -hmm. um, so that kind of stopped that surgery on that side. And then I had a lot of um, surgeries. It wasn't aesthetic, but more quality of life. Yeah. Um, so I had my palate lengthened about two or three times. Wow. Um, I obviously the Z plasty, um, and the bone graft and things like that. So like the usual stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I then started to have plastic surgery in this last. The, the final year um because i would really recommend i mean i was quite stubborn but i did make the right decision long term in that i went through a period where i literally dropped out of school because i was waiting on having surgery and then it didn't happen so in theory i missed a year of school for nothing but okay. i then look at having like for example my nose done before my jaw was done mm -hmm. and my father was like nathan we don't really recommend that because you're your jaw surgery will also your nose and yeah. etc. I was like, no, like if I'm having this year off, I need to be productive and have something done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I did get the date through for my nose, but I actually did um cancel it so that I could have it done so it was my jaw, then my nose, then my lip, so that right, okay. um for anyone that was to have surgery, I always recommend leaving cosmetic to the absolute last minute because your face changes so much that even to an older, you don't really know how you look. Yeah, like you don't really know until you're that age properly. Like, let's say I'm 15, I want my nose done. Mm -hmm. You change a lot from like when you're 15 to like when you're 20, and your yes. priorities might be different and stuff like that. So, I definitely say never to rush the cosmetic things until you know everything else is in place. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it was just sort of well really bad luck on you know for you that you had to have the same surgeries done sort of multiple times yeah. and you know that's just i mean that's 
excuse my language, pretty shit. Um, so that probably didn't help things. <laughs> yeah, that's a polite word. <laughs> so touching them back on, because you've already said that you had a year out of school. So um, talk to me about primary school. How was that for you? Um, so primary school wasn't too bad. Um, so my mum actually was a teaching assistant at my primary school. Okay. So I guess... Me and my mum had a very, like, and we still do have a extremely close relationship. Um, yeah. So obviously, in that, the fact that she was then obviously in the school was like a big help. Um, yeah, of but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe it might have helped him go on my own a little bit to kind of flop the nest. But hey, I guess there's there's different ways of looking at it. Um, and I mean, bullying wise. Um, I mean, I got, I got some. I think kids that obviously in primary school age aren't really, I mean, from my experience, too fast. Mm-hmm. It isn't until people grow up with smart. Oh, actually, now they have smartphones, they probably are pretty bad. But well, yeah. back, back, back when I was in primary school, that wasn't a thing. No. Uh, until also when they were older, then people start comparing and go, "Oh, oh, that's not normal." Um, yeah, that's different. School, yeah. Yeah, so the only thing that was obviously a big impact in primary school was the amount of surgery I had in primary school. Um, and how many surgeries had you had within that sort of time frame? I was, I was on about 13 by then. Alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I had like my bone graft on like twice. Yeah, I was rocketing through them at a young age. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then so primary school was, was okay. Obviously, you, you had your mum there as almost like a safety net almost would you say that yeah because i think people knew that my mum was there so i think okay. even if you trying to bully me they had a parent or a teacher that was straight on them so they were kind of like there, there was like they just couldn't do it without getting in massive trouble or someone finding out yeah um which is kind of bad that kids would actually think that through but yeah well absolutely but if it benefited you at that time then obviously yeah. that's not um, a bad thing exactly um it, it probably wasn't until like secondary school where it all went a bit pear shaped, really. Okay, so secondary school, what type of secondary school was it? So, secondary school, I won't name drop because. Um, no. <laughs> no, maybe don't do that. But, you know, was it all boys or um, grandma or. It's it normal school, um, so mixed sex. Um, but it was a big, 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 big school. Um, so, I have, I say, at least 3,000 students. Wow, okay. Um, so I was um, to teach as pretty faceless, mm-hmm. which is not very helpful when you're, I guess, the old one out. Um, yeah. Because everyone notices you're the old one out. Um, so, I mean, I went to secondary school from a pretty good experience in primary school mm-hmm. to expect the similar experience again. Um, to literally, I mean, it was pretty, it was incredibly brutal, to be honest. It was like every day, mm-hmm. name calling, like groups of people would end up like having their own special group just to pretty much ridicule me, yeah. like in corridors, um, beat me. I was going to say, was there any sort of physical element? Because being female, I never experienced any physical. Yeah. Um, sort of stuff but I can imagine um, sort of male sort of bravado yeah so I think 
especially like groups where you end up getting that sort of um, anonymous, like, faceless crowd where I can get away with doing anything, even yeah. if it is completely inhumane. Um, yeah. Like a sort of 13, 14-year-old. Um, yeah, like, P lessons, I had, like, football stars, like, wrapped around my face. Um, yeah, I had pretty, yeah, it was pretty bad, to be honest. Um, oh. I, it didn't really stop. Um, and that was that was literally like year seven, um, and then because of that, obviously, my I mean my self confidence anyway wasn't really that good. I mean I was a young kid, like obviously comparing myself to like my brothers and everyone else, I I did kind of at that age understand I wasn't. I mean I use the word normal very lightly. Um, yeah, yeah, but you weren't. You didn't necessarily look the same as most people yeah. in the school. Um, Exactly that, and so I just didn't really anticipate, I guess, the backlash of something that was completely out of my control. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, I then suffered from like the worst anxiety in the world. Um, so I was having like panic attacks from like the moment I woke up to literally the moment I went to bed, non-stop. Um, so I grew my like hair really long, like over my face, like cover my face. Mm-hmm. I like didn't really eat. I literally locked my, I, I didn't leave the house. I dropped out of school in year seven. Okay. Um, I, I didn't leave my house for like over a year. Really? Um, okay. And at the same time, my mum, who is obviously my figurehead of my life, um, had a brain hemorrhage. Wow. Um, so I nearly lost my mum. So it was like this complete, it was like you know, we like hit rock bottom and I was just like, completely give up. Like depression, like yeah, I was pretty much in a dark hole with no return, really. Um, and that's when I ended up in year eight to year nine. My mum recovered. Um, and she homeschooled me. Okay. Um, and then during homeschooling, uh, I began to swim uh, okay. as a part of my PE curriculum. Oh, okay. Um, so I basically taught myself to swim because I, I I'd never really had swimming lessons before that. Okay. Um, and then through swimming, I I grew as a person a lot, and I think whilst I was away from people, I had some time to I guess like heal because mm-hmm. um, I was like pretty much damaged goods at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then literally one day I kind of woke up and I was like, I'm literally letting people's comments and judgments stop me being like the person I am yeah and I was like what like that's really not on so um I literally like woke up one morning went downstairs to my parents and was like I want to go back to school and they were like are you crazy um <laughs> really I was <laughs> sure like after what's happened I was like yeah 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 um obviously not the same school um okay. so we went school hunting and um I joined the catholic school Okay. Um, which is like a tiny school, um, but like really, but like the only crazy thing with that is that in my first primary school, I actually knew some people, yeah. but this one, I knew no one really. So it was it was a bold move, like it was like a leap of faith move. Um, and it could have went one of two ways. Yeah. Um, they were mega accepting. Um, like even when I did get like the old comment, like because it was a Catholic school, it was like completely. I think there was like, like maybe like 500 people. It was, right. it was very much smaller. <laughs> um, like the teachers were like on it. You get 
in so much trouble. And it was the first time where, like, my year group would, like, stick up for me. So it was the first time I had, like, a support network outside my family that would, like, defend me. Yeah. So I guess I kind of, like, had the time there to, like, flourish a lot more. So yeah. how old were you at that point? So 14, I'm guessing? Like, yeah, 14, yeah. 15. And, yeah, I was heading towards, towards like, GCSE. Yeah. So it's, like, again, like, that sort of age range is still really delicate. And I personally found that there was still a lot of comparison and people wanted to be seen to be being like top dog so you know for that sort of age range to be accepting and even sort of going to the lengths of sort of defending you is is really amazing well yeah exactly that i, I remember going home to my parents being like oh like so and so like actually looks out for me like what the hell like not used to that um so well, yeah that's it was so nice it was definitely a turning point and the start of many positive things that have got me to where I am today. So in that, so obviously, you know, you kind of had that pivotal moment where you thought, nah, this is not on, I'm going to, you know, do do like what any other person or 14, 15 is, is doing and I'm going to go back to school and, and sort it out. Um, did you ever have any sort of therapy to help you through anything? Um, so this is where I am probably maybe not usual is that I never had I mean, I was recommended by a lot of people. Like, so I was recommending like, um, like anger management stuff. Cause like, as a kid, from obviously everything that happened, I was a very like angry, short-tempered person for like a lot of reasons. Obviously, bullying, but like, just like the self-hate of like not accepting what happened to me and that kind. It's of, so, like very understandable reasons. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but I think that was one thing, and then. Um, just general anxiety and depression. Um, and then obviously the stuff with your mum as well. That's really hard as a teenager. Um, I was recommending this case like CBT, so cognitive behavioural therapy, and 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 just to have like someone to just listen, um, like a counsellor. Um, but I never really went to one, and it is a very personal reason that would be different to everyone. My reason was that if I want to change the way I think and feel, the only person capable of changing the way I think and feel is me. And I just, I'm a very, like I said before, stubborn-minded person. And if I can't, I, the only person that is going to change it would be me. I, yeah. I was a very strong, I, I'm very holistic. Like I'm a big believer in like natural medicine and like techniques like CBT and things. Yeah. But I think they are, they, it doesn't suit everyone and I just I for me I was like nowhere am I listening to a, a therapist tell me something and I I was kind of like yeah like they don't understand what I've been through do you yeah. mean no absolutely I, I, I definitely understand it's just um, obviously as that sort of multidisciplinary team with cleft services obviously there is always a is, yeah. I think isn't there yeah so I think for me the one thing that stopped it all was swimming yeah, so it's swimming, amazing. Swimming was like this thing where I literally go in the water. And I was like that as a baby, to be honest. But I, I, I go in the water and like all that like negative, like anxious energy or anything that was at all negative in my head would just like dissipate into the water. Yeah. I was just swimming, just not. And during that time, I was in like, my own little world and it was absolutely amazing. And I guess I just kind of, over time, Learn to manipulate that ability outside. 
uh, and through that I just ended up overcoming it all of it really that's amazing it's um did you was it I'm just interested was it a swimming club or was it competitive swimming or just that you went yeah. along and honestly so I I literally would jump in the pool on my own mm-hmm. um I'd go down my own and then I I used to watch like swimming things on YouTube and I over time I just taught myself to swim mm-hmm. again and again and again and then I was uh, scouted by a local swimming club and they were like oh do you swim for rainwater here I was like no I just taught myself and you know, oh, I should try it out and then I did and then I it was alright it was good but I ended up then swimming in the sea um, okay. and I found I just I like not surprising. I like to be free. So like, obviously, a swimming pool. You got like, you like, you reach another end, then you got to turn around, then you got to the go back to the boundaries. Back and forth, back and forth. Like in this little box of water. But then I went to sea swimming when I was about fifteen, mm-hmm. and honestly, I could just stick my head down, and get in like this sort of zen, like mindset of where I wasn't even like there, mm-hmm. and I swim for hours on end. And not hit a wall. I have to just keep going. So I ended up just going to the club for a short time, leaving the club, and then started swimming. And that's how Freestyle Smile actually came about. Amazing. So tell me and the people listening what Freestyle for Smile is all about. So Freestyle for Smile was founded um, at the age of sixteen um, during my GCSEs mm-hmm. when I came across um, the fact that. There are other children born like me in um, less fortunate areas of the world that don't receive surgery, mm-hmm. um, that are sort of ostracised from their communities, and they struggle with things that we do, like eating, breathing, talking, before we have the operation. Yeah. Um, but on a level of isolation far beyond our understanding. Uh, and that's kind of hard to understand when, I mean, personally for me going through school was hell so to think that these guys go through 10 times I, I just it wasn't something I could comprehend mm-hmm. um so I was like right like I have to do something about that um you know as a typical 16 year old would say sure then, absolutely whilst you're doing your GCSEs yeah, yeah. it's not like you've got anything yeah. better to do yeah um and I found small train on the internet um which are a charity that provide um, and fund free cleft surgery and comprehensive care um, to children in over 85 countries of the world. Wow. And I was like, ah, okay, I don't want to do I'll very naively raise money for them. You know, it'd be easy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Freestyle um, came from the Swimming Stroke Front Crawl, which is also known as Freestyle. Four. Oh, I like it. I didn't realise that was the association. Yeah, so four is who am I doing it for? And smile trainers in I'm doing it for smiles. Yeah. Um and obviously with its recent maturity of like growth, it is now just freestyling, so literally doing whatever I can, whereas endurance events or charity gardens or whatever, yeah. for raising money for cleft causes which are related to smiling. So yeah, like clapper, smile train, colours cleft. Anything that is linked to cleft, yeah, I will um, raise money uh, for. Amazing. That's kind of how it all kicked off. Yeah, well, it all sounds like it's going really well. Um, slightly 
back to where we were did you yeah. um you obviously did you finished GCSEs yes I did finish GCSEs yeah um, and then what sort of um education did you go in after after that so I went into A levels to study biology chemistry and psychology wow okay and then did you go on to uni I'm at uni at the moment okay um, as it, again, as if you've got nothing better to do with your time. Do a bit of uni, do a uh, bit of fundraising. Yeah, I, I like to keep busy, you know. Absolutely. And, and what are you doing at uni, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, digital marketing. Amazing. And I presume then that kind of helps with what you're doing with freestyle. Yeah, so, um, yeah that's the plan. Um, so it's just like, I'm a bit entre I've got a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset, so um, I like to start up businesses and mind them in freestyle but obviously it just helps with future uh, endeavours and things like that it's just a pretty useful um, skill to have in a very technological era. Absolutely no good on you I, I wish at your age I had the same sort of mindset but being a few years older <laughs> yeah. so um, what else can we talk about because you know you and I have kind of accepted the way that we were born and you know for me it is what it is and we deal with that and then obviously I've gone through certain things with Will having been born the same way um you know and it's good for me to chat to someone like you who's male who's entrepreneurial who's determined because I'm hoping that that's the way that Will will end up as well um I'm assuming that there will be either parents now um, that have just had the cleft diagnosis in pregnancy that are going to listen to this podcast, um, along with possibly parents of sort of smaller children. Um, what would you give? What advice would you give to sort of parents who are in those kind of different processes about kind of clefts or how to deal with it, or what made you feel better from the way that your parents dealt with it? Let's say. Um. Without obviously, I could talk for actually hours about this. Um, <laughs> Me too. I say, I say, there's a few things that I've picked up over my over the years of seeing, uh, I guess, the thoughts and feelings from following like Clapham, seeing the comments from parents, uh, or both new sort of new Clef parents or those that are a bit further on the journey. Um, one, and I, I've always remained very transparent. I don't, like, I don't. I won't lie about, I don't like sort of sugarcoat things. Um, so I'd probably say that if you do have a child that is diagnosed with a cleft that isn't been born yet, um, it, it like when you have a child that is born a cleft, it is a chain that you have to accept. Yeah. Like you can't, like it's going to happen. It's, it's inevitable. You can't really run away from it. You can, and you can stress about things all you want. But the best way to deal with it is head on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can sort of look into surgeries and like what are the side effects afterwards and the risks of having surgery and things like that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, surgeons and your cleft team will never ever, I guess, tell you to put your child in operation that is not completely worth it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen comments in the past about, for example, oh, um, I'm really scared about putting my child through surgery. Understandably, as a parent, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't really fully understand what I, mm. I know you're very protective people. Um, but 
I've seen them, oh, I don't want to put my kid through a bone graft, let's say. Yeah. And for me, I find that really annoying um, because someone with a very severe cleft, if I, and knowing that there are children born in areas of the world that would do anything to have state of the art care yeah. that would literally improve their quality of life like tenfold, you are crazy to even think about turning that sort of thing away. Um, so I would, that would be my first point. Um, always, I guess, listen to what they want to do. Um, and by all means, ask questions about what to expect because that's how you prepare for any operation. Like, operations are always stressful. They, they really don't get much better for parents, I assume. I mean, no. we, are, we are very, very stubborn uh, people, <laughs> as I said. Yeah. Um, yeah, re reinforce this throughout the whole chat. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I can't believe that. I mean, I'm not really religious, but I feel like children are chosen to have clefts if they can deal with it. So, like, we kind of like the special kind of children that are able to deal with the adversity face that, like, given to us. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it, it's not fair to, I guess, completely out of your control, be born with um, something that then means that you then face a journey that could last, I mean, around 18 years mm-hmm. or so, I'd say, through orthodontics and things like that. Um, but it is a journey of huge self-development for, I mean, not only just self-development, but for the family as well. Um, I mean, it brought my family together to make us so strong. Um, and it made me pretty unstoppable as a person. Um, I know I kind of had my down point as a kid, mm. but I would not be as resilient, hardworking, and caring if I didn't go through the things I went through. Yeah, um, I agree, totally. I, I think for parents, because it, it is a bit of an, a downer, like, it's very easy to look at it from like a, oh, like it's all negative. But for me, I've always learned, as I was saying, to manipulate that negativity into something positive. And I think if you can make negative experiences in your life into something positive, nothing in the cleft chain will stop you. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, I look back at my cleft chain, and to be honest, you're pretty likely to not go through as much surgery as me, so mm-hmm. that, that's a good thing. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, for me, I look back at it and I can, I can go, oh, like, oh, do you remember when I had a bone graft and this happened? It was really funny, or, and you kind of like laugh at these memories and, like, if it wasn't for everything I'd been through, I would, I, I know that I wouldn't have created like my charity stuff, and, I mean, I look back at it now and I get people that message me from all over the world and. I've helped hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm like, if I wasn't born with a cleft, that would never have happened. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, I get a question a lot, like, oh, if you could go back and you could choose if you weren't to have a cleft or not, would you? And I've always told me why I always have a cleft again, because, like, I just emphasise the fact that it has made me who I am today. I think parents just need to always see the long-term goal in mind. Uh, and I think 
just prepare for that. Like I said, if it, if it's like like not even been, like have like given birth yet, kind of understand that it is a journey. It's not just like a oh the nip's fixed that that's it. Like because yeah, like I'm I guess fixed now. I mean I'm coming to my last surgeries, but in my head I still am the boy that has went through a lot of things that I never want anyone to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that will stand you in good stead throughout life yeah. because actually, like you said, it, you know, it's put you into a more of a caring type of personality and looking out for other people. Um, so I think it is, it's almost, it's, it's strange to think that something that had such a negative impact is actually for future reference will have such a positive impact as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember delivering some school talks uh, around the UK about this mm-hmm. and, like, and things like that and how when I, when I was in like school I, I felt like pretty useless because everyone treated me like I was pretty useless yeah and then how ironically enough my I guess curse so to speak of the Claire mm-hmm. became like my gift because it wasn't as I said before if it wasn't for all of this in the first place I wouldn't have done the things I've done no. um I think from a from a parent's perspective like yeah, it it's one of those like turtle and the hair race thing. Like it's not it's not a a race. It's like a it is a long term journey. And I think if anything, you need to enjoy it in the yeah. way because guys, you will really understand like a few years down the line what I mean. Why enjoy it? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like the hospital appointments you go to you make it a day out you'll go to the cafe and muffin or something afterwards you'll chat about what you like what next and that just happens and then for any sort of child or person still going through it i would say that the journey is very long but the benefits are long life lasting yeah like because that's what i was going to say to you next is you know somebody of teenage age where obviously you had a really bad experience if someone you know of that age is also going through quite you know shall we say traumatic situations like is that what you would say to me it's like just hang on in there and it will get better without being too corny you know yeah it, it is one of those kind of cliche things is you get like the comments like, oh is my kid gonna be bullied and it's just like mm. well not when like, we live in a world, like I said, where everyone, especially like bones these days, we compare ourselves. It's like they probably will, and it's like, oh, yeah. what can we do about that? It's like nothing. nothing. And that <laughs> to actually, it kind of, it kind of like hurts me to say that. It's like, yeah, like I've been through it. I really can't give you any words of wisdom in, in this subject in terms of how to deal with it. No. Apart from the fact that, like, you have to almost in the harshest terms bite the bullet and that you get such thick skin from comments and things like that and the, the best thing from parents is just be there yeah don't don't try and do things that we don't ask you to do like probably just listen is the best thing like if we want to talk about something listen don't try and solve the world like because it, it's just isn't possible yeah. um and i think it's kind of helpful for us to i guess fight on our own sometimes yeah I agree with you definitely that you know having that support system you know possibly you and I are both lucky in the sense that our parents are together got siblings very supportive yeah. um but, but we do you know, have 
um, a deaf community, including myself. Shout out yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> of course, absolutely. <laughs> there um, are always like, and that is the glories of the phone, actually. One useful thing of technology is that there are people born of cleft that are at the end of their journeys that have had every surgery on the, the sun or have had every experience that you will experience, every feeling that you will probably experience. Yeah. And they understand you more than anyone else who understands you because you literally share the same scars. Like it's literally, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when I, when I meet deaf people, there's a connection there that, like no other, is is quite freaky. Mm. Um, that I can meet someone that I've never met before, and already they understand me more than even to an extent my parents do. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like the parents will see it through an iron parent, and yeah, they do know me very well. But being born the cleft is a very complicated thing um, for the mental side as well. Yeah, I agree. But from a perspective of being born the cleft, going through school, yeah, one of those things I say, I guess the most important thing would be the whole um, topic of like self acceptance, which mm-hmm. I think, to be honest, I say that, I mean, I think we all be lying to ourselves if people, even without a cleft, say they accept themselves for who they are because. We're, we're pretty critical people and we never really accept ourselves for who we are. I mean, yeah, I, I say I'm pretty happy with who I am, but everyone's always got their little pet peeves of, about them. I wouldn't say that's a cleft-specific thing. No, um, but I think probably, like, just not, don't try and act like someone that you're not. Like, try and get me, like, a few friends that, like, totally accept who you are. Like, don't try and be like the popular one. I tried that one. Like, that, that's the point. That didn't work. No. <laughs> uh, don't want to say that. Honestly, like, not surprised to be fair. Um, but no. Uh, all jokes aside, though, like, I, I'm, I would much rather have, like, even if it's one friend or two friends that would know, like, if you're having surgery, like, they understand, like, or they. They like come to your house afterwards because I had that few times. Yeah. Like, so makes you sit with the canteen or at lunch. Because at the end of the day, there's no point having fake friends. And to be honest, that goes throughout like adulthood anyway. Like Absolutely. that's just, like you may as well have people that actually care about you than people that pretend to care about you. Like, yeah. and I think that's just a life lesson for everyone. To be honest, I feel like I'm just yoga right now preaching to people that are probably older than me I feel like well. I'm watching yoga so we're in <laughs> the same sort of zone don't worry about <laughs> it <laughs> um, so to kind of wrap things up slightly because I think both you and I could talk about this non-stop yes. <laughs> um, so what does the future hold partly for you obviously in sort of self-development and stuff but partly how you're um, trying to connect cleft communities and people that have clefts and and just tell me what your aims are for the next let's go in 10 years let's put the, the time frame on it 10 years okay um well i currently hold uh, an annual gala um yes, that is which quite... is partly why i wanted to speak to you now because you've just had a really ah. successful event haven't you over this last weekend i haven't need. so uh when i turned 20 i started holding um a sort of posh gala, charity gala thing, 
Yeah. Entertainment auction. It's basically one of those events you see on films. Yeah. With all those people in their like tuxedos. I hold one of them now each year. Um, and how much did you raise this year? Uh, six and a half thousand pounds. Amazing. Um, I, or six and a half thousand pounds in six hours. So it's That's pretty much going. Thousand pound an hour. Well, it's just over. Um, absolutely. That I'll aim to grow that significantly each year. Um, it will be happening next year. Um, everyone is absolutely welcome to come along, and because um, as it grows each year, I I kind of want to. My, my story is obviously the driving force behind these gardens and to inspire others, but I want to incorporate other stories into my gala. So to have some sort of people born in the cleft that may want to, that may follow me on your um, like vlogs and stuff anyway, they might, I don't know, that will want to come to the gala and actually talk about their experiences of how they've dealt with things or how I've helped them or you help them. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, I guess wake up the UK about how common theft is in the UK. Absolutely. Um, it is very it's not very well known in the UK, surprisingly enough. And I think that's what been one of my missions is to raise the awareness. Um Yeah, we'll that. Yeah, I think over the next ten years, I mean, Freestyle Smile has already reached a point where it is known worldwide, but I would still like it to spread more and more and more. That would obviously be the aim. Um, and then next year, I plan to uh, set a world record for swimming around the Isle of Wight. Amazing. Um, which is 68 miles. Um, oh which goodness. will be all for um, charity. So every, I always do a, a physical challenge each year. Okay. Um, demonstrate what we are capable of when we put our minds to it. Um, and then I use that as part of my fundraising for cleft awareness. So that's one thing. Um, and obviously, finish university. Yeah. Um, continue to grow, like obviously the free soft small stuff and my gala. I'm actually playing. I want to have one up north as well, so that people that live a bit further away can come and see me and I guess celebrate who we are um because i've started to get a bit of a craft army now it's pretty awesome like, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's that and then uh i'm currently planning on starting up a company so hopefully that'll be like well pretty much a thing in 10 years time Amazing. that i'll be able to give back even more to cleft charities so Basically, my long-term game is to make an impact on as many cleft children and adults mm -hmm. and any of those affected around the world. I think that's a, a pretty good way to talk about it. I like it. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, so I reckon we'll leave it there because, like I said, you and I could talk about this all day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm now on to their lunch, so Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to do, um, Nathan, thank you. Um, hang on, because I just need to mute this uh, or stop recording, and then I'm going to chat to you in just a second. So thank you, Nathan. Uh, it's a pleasure.
And there we go. Our first Don't Get Lippy podcast interview is done. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon talking about your life and um, opening up to people um, as to your situations that you've been through. Um, I really appreciate it. And especially the day before surgery as well, because tomorrow is your, I think you said the 35th operation you're about to have so good luck i hope it all goes okay and i will catch up with you soon um for those of you listening make sure you follow nathan on instagram um his handle is freestyle the smile um for being the number four um make sure you go and check him out show him some love um and i really hope you got something from this interview whether you're a parent who's just had the diagnosis in pregnancy to give you some sort of insight to um, someone that's been born with a cleft, who's gone through quite a lot, who's come out the other end of it. And likewise, if you are possibly a teenager who has a cleft, who's going through some difficult times like Nathan went through, know that someone who's been through similar and actually is incredibly successful in what he's achieving at the moment. So um, keep going with it. And all in all, I hope you actually just enjoyed the interview. Um, let me know your feedback. I'd love to hear what you thought. Um, and I will catch up with you very soon.